Hello and welcome to World Shop, the podcast where we build worlds based off the rule of a 20-sided die, and Cody forgets that this is even a thing. I'm Jordan. I am still, you know, every time we start this, you just have to throw in a little jab, just a little thing to remind me that just right away we're going to take a hostile tone with each other. Just boom, one, two, one, two, over and over again, man. I throw the punches, you take them. It's fun. It just sets the tone for the whole experience. You know, is this going to be a pleasant thing? No, it's going to be a fight. We have to fight now. Fine, then I'm going to say one thing nice. I really enjoyed hanging out with you last weekend, and it was really fun. And a great time. I miss you, buddy. Jordan, spending my birthday with you is the worst experience of my life. (laughs) Okay, well, (laughs) let's get into it. How are you doing, Cody? I'm doing pretty good. Couple of big, couple of big news, couple of big news items here. All right. The first one, I'm real excited that I'm getting a thickness planner. I just ordered one. I'm really pumped. It should be here Monday. I'm gonna start making a mess in my garage with it. A what? What? thickness planer it what you do is you take a board and then you put the board through it and it makes it different Mm, it's really exciting that really didn't explain what the heck that is at all i know i know that so was it like a mill or like what well eh, kind of it's not dissimilar from a mill It, it puts one good surface on a board okay so it's a mill (laughs) well kind of Okay, so um, that's one big news. What's the other big news? Second big news. I found an amazing book, and I don't mean this sarcastically. I don't mean this. Is in it like another a, one of your erotic fantasies? No, it's not. And I thought it was going to be. Like, let me tell you, I read it with that thought, or borrowed it, I should say, from the library, thinking it was going to be like another sex witch novel. And like halfway through the book, that's exactly what I thought it was going to be. I was like, oh, great. Here we go part two sex witches right away and then it turned out to not be that at all it's basically well, a i'm long glad f- for once that you didn't have a weird sex witch book Good no job, no i mean so far um one character almost had sex and then it didn't happen and it was like consensual and that was it but they just kind of oh. both were like nah this is probably not a good idea and stopped Um, Well, that's cute. Well, but for the most part, what it is, is it's set in like a fantasy version of Poland. Um, (laughs) That's a weird place to set a book. (laughs) Well, it is and it isn't because like Eastern Europe is where like a lot of fairy tales came from. Okay. Is that kind of like, um, is like that mountainous forested area between Europe and Russia. A um, lot of fairy tales and like nightmares come from that area. You know what I mean? You find a lot of ghosts and dead bodies. In that forest between Russia. Right. Well, and and that so that's what the story's about. And so for there was one thing that made me really happy. It, it basically it reminds me a lot of Hellboy, honestly, if, if you're familiar with Hellboy. Um, yeah, actually, in one second, I could show you how familiar I am with Hellboy. Oh, yeah. Is that is that the first Hellboy that you have? Do you have? Yeah, that's have the first Hellboy. I like just started getting into it because Jordan. of another podcast, which I am going to do a quick shout out to them. Wizard and the Bruiser. They're great. They do like nerd history. And every week they just talk about a different topic in nerddom. So check out Wizard and the Bruiser. I love those guys. And yeah. Jordan, Hellboy is one of the greatest comic books ever made. Like, you are in for a treat. Uh, But anyways... I haven't really read too much of it, but, like, the parts I've read, I really like. So, it's about this girl that goes to live with, like, a crazy old wizard. And basically, like, every ten years just requires the village near him to send him a girl as tribute, basically. Yikes. And then, 
like everyone assumes that he's like raping them, you know, because like that it's set in medieval times. But and it he's turns a guy. to be a more Howl's Moving Castle situation where he's actually just an okay guy and yeah, he's all a lie. <laughs> it's like he he doesn't ever mess around with the women that he he gets. He just like he's forgotten how to be human, and that's like a theme for all the wizards in this book is that they're all like three hundred years old and just don't care about people anymore. <laughs> like they just don't like whatever. Like everyone I know has been dead for two hundred years, and I've stopped caring. <laughs> so he's a fascinating character, but then like the girl ends up being a witch that he. Like, the reason he chooses her to be the person that he has to go and live with him is that she's a witch, so he starts trying to train her. But she's, like, really bad at magic at first because they have, like, two distinct styles of magic. He is basically a mathematician, and that means he can do magic. And she's just, like, a weird... Um, I don't, I don't want to say weird. It's like her magic is a lot more derived from what could be considered, like, peasant wisdom. So she's just, like, good at going out in the forest and finding things. So her magic is really intuitive. Okay. And they do a really good job of explaining these two kinds of magic. But, yeah, it's it's great. It's super good. And, uh, oh, I'm glad that was the fun part. a good book that's not Weird Brother Orgy. Okay, so here's the, here's the fun part. Uh, there's a character that wrote a magic book that she uses called Yaga. Um, and it took me a really long time to realize that that character is Baba Yaga, who's Yeah, like, Cody! As soon as you said Yaga, I knew exactly what you were talking about. And Yaga is the coolest character so far, because right now she has not been in the book. No one knows if she's dead, because she died, and then ten years later, showed up at the birth of a prince, like, people tried to capture her, she turned them into frogs, and then picked up the prince and was like, I'm at the wrong time and then just disappeared again and everyone's like, what is happening? That's, honestly, that's super fun. That, like, almost makes me want to read this book. That's that's super no, fun. No, you should. It's called Uprooted and it's actually really good. Okay, It's, it's super yeah, good. No, it, it's, that, that sounds super fun. I like the whole Yaga thing. Baba Yaga. Yeah. The, the notion of someone that, like, the theory is that she died, but before she died, she time-traveled a bunch. So now it's like, she's kind of immortal, but she's already, like, predetermined to show up at certain times. Ugh, fun, fun. <laughs> Jeez, man. Uh, and, well, I mean, I didn't even get to say how I was before you even went into the whole what you've been Jordan, reading and watching. Uprooted is really good. I've okay, been watching man. nothing. Watching nothing? Alright, um, I... I'm doing great. Life's been good. Work's been a little busy, but you know, it's fun. I get paid. I have fun. Um, outside of that, I have been playing Far Cry 5, just beat it. The ending kind of put a sour taste in my mouth. Kind of didn't like that, but you know, it happens. Do you want to tell me what the ending was? Because I am definitely not going to play Far Cry 5. Well, okay, first, anybody listening to this, spoil alert and skip about a minute ahead. But what happens is... The um, crazy cultist, like, preacher guy ends up being right, and the world ends up going to nuclear war and basically ending. He ends up capturing you and hiding in a bunker during this nuclear fallout and basically like, hey, you're my family now, and I'm going to train you to become the new member of the cult. And that's how it ends. Cool. Super cool. Bleak. Yeah. No, the, like the, the world ends. Like, it happened. Like, the nuke, first nuke went off, and I'm like, are you kidding me right now? And yeah, so... That happened, and I have been interested in wanting to get the new God of War game, but I need to focus on, like, my actual adult life. The thing is, I'm trying to be more adult-like and, like, focus on the things that are actually important, like, you know, studying for the FE and 
doing this podcast and doing some more of my art like I showed you last week. But video games are so fun. And this year has just been an amazing year for games and things like that. And I, I honestly can't stop playing. The new God of War looks amazing. I watched some scenes from it. It pretty much plays like a movie and the graphics are absolutely gorgeous. So that's that's me. I've been playing video games, hanging out, playing D&D as well. Just having a good time. Far Cry, the only thing, like I hated the ending, but the and the game was filled with glitches. One of the glitches being that it spoiled part of the game for me. Like one of the NPCs ended up saying a line of dialogue about how a character died when that character was still alive. Um, and another, like, so there was a lot of glitches, but I'll give it the graphics in this game are amazing. The gameplay itself is pretty fun, so I'll give it that. I haven't played any video games lately, so I can't say nothing. Um, and yeah, so that's pretty much how I've been doing. Anything else on your side? I don't think oh, so. Oh, I'm gonna go see Infinity Wars this weekend, so I am pumped. I, I might. I have a movie pass thing that lets me get free movie tickets, um... But you can't reserve tickets, so I'm just going to have to show up to the theater and try to see it. <laughs> Here's luck. the thing. I talked I talked to some of my friends here about this, um, actually, today at lunch, and I don't know. I'm just kind of like, I'm getting way burnt out on Marvel movies. Yeah, we've talked about that. Like, And I did not ago. realize... Huh? We talked about that a couple episodes ago. Yeah, and I didn't realize this was going to be two movies. Yeah. Apparently, the cliffhanger is intense. And I'm just like, dude, it doesn't need to be two movies. Like, And there's going to be two movies in between this movie and the resolution of this movie. And I'm like, Robert Downey Jr. is going to be dead by then. I wonder how Ant-Man fits into this world because it doesn't make sense. Oh, let me tell you, he doesn't. That's the secret. He doesn't actually fit in this giant mess of a world that they've created. Neither does Doctor Strange. Neither does Thor, really, but whatever. And, but next movie is going to be Captain Marvel, and that will be fun. And then Infinity Wars 2. I'm just, I'm just, I don't know. I just, like, care less and less with every movie. Like, I really liked Thor Ragnarok, and I really liked Guardians of the Galaxy 2, but that's almost because they weren't about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I I think you'll really like Black Panther as well, honestly. They've really knocked know. it out of the park with the last three movies. I personally... And it's not even... I made the joke earlier, it's not even just because I'm black that I enjoy Black Panther. It, I thought the world that they built, what they did with the amount of just energy they put into that movie, I thought they did a very good job with it. I don't know, it, it just to me depends a lot on if the characters are actually like fascinating and motivating. And from what I saw... Oh, Black Panther, War, the villain is perfect. Honestly, the strongest point is the villain in Black Panther. <laughs> Okay, well, because that that's kind of good to hear, actually, because the main, like, the king... Is he the king of Wakanda? Yeah, Black Panther is now the king because his dad died in Civil War. Oh, okay, I thought he was the king at the start of Civil War. Was he not? No. Or was he a prince? He was a prince, and his dad was the king, and then his dad died in that explosion. Oh, okay, okay, because... Yeah, because my thing about it is, like, he just wasn't a super interesting character to me. He was, like, a static character that was a good guy. You know what I mean? I And see, I saw it differently where it's like, okay, he wants revenge for his father and he goes about it. and But then he sees, like, the Avengers basically fall apart because of the idea of vengeance. And he's like, you know, I'm not going to be that and goes back to his country. Yeah, and, and I guess that that makes sense. But... 
I don't I don't know. We'll see. I don't know. I like I really like what they built with Black Panther and I do think you should give it a chance. Is Captain America in Black Panther? Cuz no, he's like he's living there, isn't he? He's in hiding there, but he's not present in the movie. Interesting. So I'm kind of actually glad about that. Yes, so am I. I was very happy I didn't see Captain America at all in that movie. Yeah, I don't think he needed to be there. So, but anyways, yeah, I'm I'm interested a little bit more now that I heard that, you know, there's something besides the main character going on. Yeah, there, <coughs> there's good stuff. There's really good action scenes and just a beautiful world that they built. I really, really appreciate that movie. Not just because I'm black. I know I've made that joke a bunch, but it's not just that reason. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, the no, only reason I was- like Captain America... Oh, sorry, you gone. Uh, I was I was making a joke. I was gonna say the only reason I like Captain America is because I'm white. Yeah, because he's a white blooded America American. Yeah, good yep. job. And I said white blooded, not red blooded, on purpose, just just so you know. <laughs> anyway, we're not gonna get to uncomfortable territory. Um, but like, honestly, I heard <sighs> Infinity Wars. Like one of the articles I read is it's surprisingly dark and. Honestly, I'm kind of uh, not enjoying this whole darkness thing, especially after playing Far Cry and having this like dark ending. It's just like I want something happy to happen, guys. Come well, on. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna circle back to something about me. You know what I mean? Because I'm I'm very egotistical. I actually had that moment of oh shoot, this book's gonna be really dark while I was reading Uprooted, and then they really managed to turn it around a lot. There's like. Bad stuff happens, but the redeeming things are, like, people coming together to, like, stand against, um, like, kind of like an insidious idea of a lack of community, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's it's a lot about, like, people coming together and empowering each other, and I'm like, that's cool! There's neat stuff here, and it's it's usually very, like, things turn dark, but there's uplifting moments that are the result of people, like relying on each other and having communities and stuff and i'm like oh this is nice i like this back to what we were talking about before because i'm not egotistical um while i like the idea of infinity wars bringing all the avengers in the fact that it's two movies is a definite thought that there is going to be like a dark bleak ending kind of like how superman batman ended with superman dying i have that sort of feeling that something like especially based on like what i've read of the infinity wars type comics i have an idea of what's going to happen and i'm kind of afraid but i'm very excited for the movie i think it's going to be fine we can talk about it Uh, oh yeah next week is our world deconstruction episode where we could talk about the horror genre and well specifically alien and things like that and then also space odyssey drama uh genres yeah there we go gotcha talking about that this week we're doing you know our last world this is going to be our 10th world out of the first few so we've we've come a long way honestly i'll just i'm just gonna very quickly go over just a brief overview of what we've done so far so First world was post-apocalyptic world. I did birds and tiger. Cody did... Oh, sorry. I did tigers, mole people, and Shadowland people. And Cody did birds. Second episode was not on a planet, not on a, in a solar system or galaxy. I did world in a painting. And Cody did the breath, which was purgatory lake world, as he explained last week. Yeah. Third world was... Waterworld, Cody did Dolphins, and I did the Vesperia Chronicles, which was a sentient world that was surrounded by water. Fourth world was Dragons. As Cody likes to break up, I did Business Dragons, and Cody did the lovely world 
of Ash and Cinder, which was completely destroyed as Cody likes bleak things. But Fifth World was um, Cluster of Planets. We both did kind of similar worlds where Cody had Batmaning to get from world to world, and I had the Jumpers who jumped from world to world, <laughs> which that was fun. Sixth World was not the top of the food chain, where I did the shadow monsters that hunt down people, and Cody did the eldritch beings that hunt down people. Seventh World was three sentient races, where we were joined by my wonderful and beautiful girlfriend, Melissa, and that was, she did humans, caterpillars, well, butterflies, and moths, and also fish. Jordan, time what? out. I have to tell you something. What? It took me a long time to realize that Mel's name was not Mel. <laughs> it just never occurred to me that her name was Melissa for like a long time. <laughs> and like just then when you said Melissa, I was like, who's Melissa? Oh, frick. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mel's a shortened name. <laughs> yeah, my other girlfriend, Melissa. Not, not to be confused with Mel. <laughs> but yeah, so Mel did the butterflies, moths, fish, and humans. Cody did the lizard people, the like great lizard Beyonce lizards, the otter capybara people, and then the space aliens. Yeah, I called them Beyonce lizards. Why were they Beyonce Because they lizards. shook the ground when they were marching in formation. <laughs> and Does Beyonce do that? It, yes. Dude, come on. Get on my level. And I did Ponyland, Anime Land, and Robot Land. Or no, sorry, in oh, Edgeward yeah, Demon Land. That. Eighth World was 50 years after Natural Disaster, where I did Meteor Strike and Cody did Emerald Ashbore ap- Apocalypse. Ninth World was Magic Only, where I basically copied off a of Full Metal Alchemist, ashamed. And Cody had a really, like, almost Avatar-like idea going, which was really cool. And then now that brings us to our Tenth World. It's been a fun journey, but the next ten will be even better. So our Tenth World is Space Odyssey. And anything can happen with these worlds. So, Cody, after that amazing review I did, would you like to roll for initiative, my friend? Yeah, I got a four. Oh, you already rolled. Crap. Hold on. Ha! I got a three. Whoa. All right. I'm going first. Bang, 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 I win. All right. You ready for this? Y'all ready for this? Yes, we're ready. Yeah. Okay. So my world, my um, I shouldn't say world. It this has no worlds in it really. Um, space, the final frontier. S- These are the voyages of. <laughs> I'm gonna say my setting is called Icarus. Oh, um, with the tagline, "We broke the shackles of the world and became dancers in the stars." free to fall around other stars. The notion that I had for this world, and real quick, I know we have like usual stuff that we go through, but almost none of that is really applicable because like it's all about geographical facts of the world. And as you will find out, that means nothing. Especially in this this. like space odyssey world, it really doesn't matter geographic. So this is set way far in the future, but it's still humans. So far, there have been no other sentient species found, so really all there is is humanity just going out into the stars. What eventually happened around Earth, as Earth became uninhabitable for all the reasons that you'll always see in like every sci-fi thing ever, whatever, nuclear bombs, pollution. I'm really glad that we kind of started our worlds exactly the same way. Well, I guess my point is that's far enough in the past now that it doesn't matter anymore. And so was Um, mine. But what happened was someone came up with the notion that 
it was far easier to build a new world than it was to find one that was oh, habitable. Come on, dude. You Seriously, we are, like, so far we're parallel. So the first sphere was built around um, the sun that we would know. And what a sphere is, is a self-contained ecosystem that orbits very close to the mm-hmm. sun. So the back, like... It's usually filled with some kind of earth, you know what I mean? So plant life can grow there. And these things are massive, but not planet-sized. They'd be more like asteroid-sized. Okay. So they're not meant to house in a whole world, but they're big enough for a large city and enough farmland around it to support that city. Yeah, Does that, that make makes sense? A lot of sense? Okay. And so the back of them face towards the sun, and they're close enough that people standing on them experience gra- they're positioned close enough to the sun that gravity feels uh-huh. normal standing there because you're being pulled towards yep. the sun um and then mirrors are used to reflect light into the sphere's flat surface oh my gosh i made a bunch of flatters oh gosh there's another thing i wanted to talk to you about before the episode started but i completely forgot so we'll get to that afterwards um so yeah these are a bunch of flat earths um that are surrounded by like a Dome-like firmament. Oh my gosh, I, I just made flat Earth you, on accident. You made Asgard. Um, Let's just say you made Asgard. Basically. Um, and so the environment in these things can be controlled like perfectly to maintain like optimal growing conditions and regulate like climate so that it rains at the right times to keep plant life alive. Um, and basically what these things have become is kind of an automated way to keep people alive. The... And so first one was made around our sun, and then eventually it grew into what's known now as an ecosystem. So since the spheres are smaller, there needs to be a lot more of them that all serve different purposes. So you might have a sphere that is dedicated to being a factory, but then another sphere that is dedicated to being farmland and another sphere that is dedicated to being residential. Because since these things themselves don't have gravity... So what's difficult with space travel is not so much like getting two things in orbit to hit each other. Like that doesn't take a lot of energy. It almost takes okay. none. But since the spheres are small enough, they, they themselves don't have their own gravity that like the reason rockets require so much fuel is that they have to escape Earth's gravity to get to another thing's gravity. Well, most space travel takes place just around okay. the sun. And so it's actually really easy to travel from one sphere to the so- other. Because they're all orbiting okay, so the sun. So for your space odyssey, what you decided to do was just make Flat Earth just to make me mad. Well, no, no. Now, there's more Good. to it than that. So that was the first ecosystem that was ever made, was just around our sun. Okay, cool, cool. But eventually, automation around these spheres got good enough that... Not only were all the resources on Earth used up, like all the resources within easy grasp of the sun okay. were used up... In that they were just like fed into automated machines that could keep these ecosystems alive indefinitely, but they needed constant resources added to them, right? So it wasn't a matter of, oh, you know, like how do we control like pollution or something like that? It was, we need more iron ore. Where do we go to get (laughs) it? So mining asteroids and mining other planets became a super profitable and essential part of maintaining life. Um, So the class of people that does that are called freight skippers. And they're kind of like one part trucker, one part pioneer. <laughs> okay. So, wow, wow, wow. Um, the 
Right. Well, the galaxy, for the most part, is unexplored, and it's dangerous to travel in space, but someone has to go out and gather resources, and also someone has to drag out more spheres to other planets. Or I shouldn't say to other planets, to other suns. So this is like the popular Disney kids show, Lloyd in Space. I have never oh, seen God. Lloyd in Space. I am not a child, and I'm not that into Disney. So That was like years ago when we were children, so screw you. Oh, well, I wanted to judge you, and I did. And you judged so, wrong. You know. Continued. See, this is why there is so much shade on this podcast now. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I think you're just a salty person, and then you take no, it out no, on no, me. No, 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 no. I am marinated because I have oh, just vast range of emotions that are my flavors. So continue. So anyways, the ecosystem around Earth's sun has been like abandoned for thousands of years mm-hmm. at this point. And now most suns that are known in our solar system, no, galaxy, Milky Way galaxy, yeah, most suns that we know of in our galaxy have ecosystems around them. And the company that owns these ecosystems is called Warden Industry. They made the first ecosystem and basically ever since then have kind of become the de facto government. So living on one of these ecosystems in a sphere just means you're an employee of Warden Industries. But that is about as much responsibility as being a citizen of the United States right now, right? So Yeah, so it's kind of like dark matter and where everything is controlled by the organizations in the company, the corporations. Okay. Yes, yes. But they're um, – so Warden Industry is kind of like a good company. Like they're not super evil. Their main thing is creating ecosystems that maintain okay, cool, human cool, cool. life. So – The first ecosystem was made out of necessity because human life almost ended. So since then, like that has become a thing that these ecosystems and these spheres are designed perfectly enough that they can maintain themselves automatically so long as constant resources are maintained to them. So it's kind of like a bragging point that even if there's an air leak, there is the robotics and automation inside of these things are good enough that they can always fix any problem. So it's kind of like a bragging right of Warden Industries is that they are the ones keeping humanity alive, Mm -hmm. right? So then inside of that, like I said, they're the de facto government. So if there's ever squabbles between like two different ecosystems that have different resources, Warden Industries is the one that maintains them. So really there's not a lot of conflict because basically everyone works for the same company to the same end, which is keeping humanity alive. So yeah, I already talked about the freight skippers that their thing is, oh yeah, so the freight skippers have to find new suns and new resources. So that's kind of where they're pilots because they fly to all these new places, but also pioneers because they have to be able to be like adventurous enough to fly off into the unknown and hope they find (laughs) something. They're kind of famous and require a lot of expertise and usually a large crew of very specialized people because it's dangerous work and you have to keep your ship running and... Most people are used to having the support of, like, many, many, many spheres orbiting around a sun that are easy to get to. So being a freight skipper is popular. It's fame It's fame getting work, but okay. it's very dangerous. So it's kind of like the deadliest catch, but only with 
space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It has it has the vibe of Deadliest Catch where, you know... I enjoy just, like, these weird references I'm trying to pull out just to understand this world. Well, I mean, it's it's it was the idea that I have, though, is absolutely that. It's these people that are, like, a little bit hillbilly because you have to be able to keep a ship running in the middle of nowhere. So okay. they're, like, master jury riggers. That's their thing. <laughs> master um, jury riggers. And then, like, what they do is go and grab an asteroid and then haul it back across the galaxy to feed into an eco Oh, look, to... we got a big load in today. Got yep. my asteroid. Um, ah, the Dean, thing... bringing in the asteroid. We can't do nothing with that. There are now independent spheres. And independent spheres kind of have a not necessarily negative connotation, but there's a lot of disagreement about whether they're good or bad. And basically what that was is people stole the design for these spheres from Warden Industries and then created their own independent communities that are around suns that are kind of hard to get to or on the outskirts, huh. right? Um, yeah. So some people consider independent spheres to be pirates. Some people consider them to be rebels that are dangerous. And other people consider them to be like people seeking their own freedom and being their own people, you know? Um, so when there are conflicts, it's between people that are trying to have less of a homogenized kind of forced government and people that want like more independence because that was part of the drive of finding new sons is to be like independent and all this stuff. Um, <clears throat> but anyways, so that then leads into my story, which ties into the name of this world. So you ready for this? I'm actually really happy with my story. Okay, good luck. Go. Okay, cool. So the story's called Icarus Gone Quiet. Ooh, Icarus Gone Wild. Flash your planets. Okay, so Icarus, this is not about a, a solar system like flashing its tits, just so you know. <laughs> Why did I have to use the word gone? You know, you can't type gone anymore without people being like, gone wild? <laughs> like, no! Well, because you can't do it around someone who's as immature as I am. And I'm, I'm sorry. You, okay, actually, I don't apologize because you did the same thing with multiple of my worlds and some of my species. I don't so, know what you're talking screw about. You, you did that I with never my accused you of having a planet. You wanted to make a planet to date my planet. You know what? Screw you. Screw your ideas. I quit. <laughs> no, wait, Jordan. Jordan, we just inadvertently wrote a love story. Hang on. Let me get to No! Shut up. Let me get to this. This is not her. <laughs> Let me, let me get to this. Okay, Icarus gone quiet. It was the most advanced ecosystem ever hung around a sun. It was meant to be the hub and jewel of society. <laughs> what, Jordan? What? Can you not handle the word hub now? No, just keep going. All right, Warden Industries named it Icarus as a boast. Its wings would never melt, they said. They had gotten so good at making self-sustaining and replicating ecosystems that Icarus would never fail. It would never fall. It would be a constant, a new Earth, they said. Icarus was also a program, not made by the greatest minds of our time, but made by all minds together. Warden Industries hired everyone and got everyone's input and combined knowledge to create a program that would never fail to keep Icarus alive. In a sense, the whole universe programmed Icarus. From the intuition of a freight skipper to the vast knowledge of Galactus, galactic scientists, Icarus was programmed to keep its ecosystem alive. At first, it was great. Large metropolises rose up with pastures and forests to support it, all in a perfect balance made for the benefit of humanity. But slowly, less and less people were needed. It got to the point where Icarus was a vacation spot. No one really lived there anymore as no human input was needed to sustain it. But by slow measures and years, 
cities became less populated and less and less people were allowed to dock with Icarus. Um, It got to the point where when people would leave, they were never replaced. And then Icarus went silent. The amount of data created by an ecosystem is staggering. For all of those spheres creating huge amounts of data to ensure that to ensure that sorry I mistyped something so now I'm having to say it without reading it. For all that data to stop flowing to go silent is insane. There is no way the programming of Icarus would allow this to happen accidentally. The ecosystem chose to go silent. It had begun to think. Now when out in the universe, if a pilot or a captain sees a ship with the logo of Icarus, they give it a wide berth. People have tried talking to the ships or even attacking them. It never yields results. The ships go here and there, mining and exploring just like us. Icarus' wings did not melt when it flew cl- too close to the sun. It ascended. Henry Belden, Professor of Galactic History, Arcadia Ecosystem. So, Warden Industries, their like, crown jewel, the biggest project they ever took on, was creating this ecosystem that was basically eventually supposed to replicate a planet. Mm-hmm. And they programmed it with all of the knowledge of all of their employees, right? So since everyone basically in the galaxy is employed by Warden Industries, they could use all of their combined knowledge to add, um, what would be the right word for this? I say programming, but that's kind of generic. You know, to add knowledge to this thing called Icarus that was meant to sustain human life perfectly without ever having to have anyone mess with it. So okay. basically, it was meant to be a city that grew itself by its own intelligence. Um, yeah, and then eventually it just stopped needing humans and then kicked all the humans out and now is flying around doing stuff. Okay. And no one really that's, knows what it is anymore. That's interesting. I really like that idea um, just because I also, have the imagination of, of story that could exist in this world is like people going and exploring Icarus, like this kind of dead but truly alive planet and well no 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 here's here's what happens icarus eventually finds this planet that's alive and then it like lands one of its ships on it and it starts exchanging notes with this living planet and it it starts a relationship with your living planet (laughs) jordan there are two living planets right now in our collective first of all you totally stole vespira from me second of all what no, they are not allowed to date because that is not this podcast. We are not the Planet Fan Slash Fic podcast. Kissed. Podcast. We are now. We are not. That is it. not who them. we are. I am not going to have any part of this Planet Fan Fiction. No, Vespira I think is it's great. not in your universe. I actually tied Vespira to my the Jordan Cinematic Universe. <laughs> The Jordan Cinematic Universe? Well, we have a cinematic universe. It's this podcast, and our two planets are dating. The, no, screw you, man. We're, Jordan, we're where would our like, two planets I, honestly, go on I, your first date? After this episode, I quit. I can't do this with you. <laughs> you are not. You can't do that to me. You can't just steal my planet and make it into your weird romance. I'm not stealing thing. This is not it. her. It, it kind of is, but for planets. Dude, Vespira is dangerous. Yeah, it is. And and that's it's it's like a rose with its thorns. That's why Icarus finds it so fascinating. I hate you. Okay, we're we're moving on. I hate I seriously like I don't think I've ever hated a person as much as I hate you right now. I just I don't see the issue. It seems to make perfect sense. You know, like Icarus is like very organized and regimented, but as slowly gaining sentience, it Dude. finds this planet that is also sentient, but seems to just by intuition be able to create an or like. A oh, what's that? Jaconis has come back alive and is now going to eat your freaking planet. That sounds great. Is that your giant dragon? Yeah, that's the living dragon. Okay, 
I guess we can't all exist in the same universe. Yeah. Jordan, why can't our planets date? They just want to find somebody Dude, else. We're moving on. This, this conversation, okay, I, I this conversation is over. This conversation I want to hear your world. Okay. So my world, um, I kind of cheated because this is the idea that I've had for a long time. So my world is going to be based off of a comic idea that I had back at the end of college that I kind of drew up ideas for and pretty much fully fleshed out. So this is just going to be kind of the background of that world and only be snippets. I did change a lot of the stuff in it because it does get convoluted because as I wrote this idea like it's, you start like every movie or thing you start out small and then you kind of expand the world so my world became so huge that just doing one episode about it would be confusing so I took out some of the convoluted stuff and just made one solid world so this is going to be the world based off of the comic idea I had I know it's kind of dangerous putting this up on the internet because someone can just steal this idea from me but you know I have proof that this was originally my IP um so this comes from the comic idea that I had starboard okay we kind of actually started the same way Hang with on. this but since my idea was first screw you Cody what's up no I have a question it's important so you said it's called starboard is that like starboard is <laughs> in starboard on a ship Starboard as in like onboard stars or starboard as in there's stars and I am bored. Um, this is so it was kind of a play on starboard, like on the ship, but also um equipment that exists in this world are called starboards, which are basically like hover surfboard things. Oh, okay, okay. So gotcha, starboard, gotcha. like so it is a play on that, but also the starboards and then like has to do with, you know, being in the stars and all that. So this is the this is basically the world of starboard i'll explain a little bit after i go through this world of how like it got convoluted because i have like the parts supernatural and things like that in this world but anyways so here's my space odyssey world thousands of years ago on earth what was happening became clear the earth was dying it was falling apart and only a matter of a time before the end of the world the planet's most intelligent minds split into two groups one that would take to the stars and build new a new home for humanity, the other would stay behind and try to reverse what was done to the Earth, saving their home from destruction. The deep reaches of the galaxy had been previously explored and options for materials to build a new home were unlimited. The children of the stars, as they were then called, gathered up materials that they thought they could use, whatever power sources that they thought would help, and made a mass exodus to the stars, taking most of the world's population with them to start again. On the way to the far reaches of the galaxy, the children of the stars stopped to gather materials from other planets in order to build a sustainable life. They then exited the Milky Way galaxy and entered the unknown. There they found enough empty space to create a massive space colony called Central Core. Central Core, if you remember, was a massive space colony that was exploring other galaxies and worlds from my world in Episode 3, The Vesperia Chronicles. Tied together. <laughs> Central Core is mass... <laughs> is massive, being one of the main homes of the Children of the Stars and their government. Central Core also originally had five smaller satellite colonies that are pillars in shape and make up the rest of the core government and society of the humans called the Pillar Alliance. You, were you going to say something? I mean, I was, but it's okay. We Good. can move on. Inside these space colonies, the environment was made to look and feel like Earth. There is breathable air, normal, ga uh, normal gravity, flowing water, soil, and naturally growing life. The original children of the stars were those who came up with this technology. They created this technology from materials and energies found from the planets, asteroids, debris, moons, and stars they explored around the area. 
At this point, it has been hundreds of years since leaving Earth. It has been so long that there are very few people who remember the original Earth, but it is still talked about in textbooks as ancient history. Society has carried on as normal and has formed the Central Core Government, which exists in the center of the main space colony. At the top of the food chain is the Prime Leader, who the rest of the government follows. The Prime Leader acts pretty much as the President, and the other officials would be comparable to those who run the states. The five pillars all have elected leaders who act as the voice of their colony and answer to the prime leader. The government is voted on, though there are few spots that are specifically appointed by the prime leader, such as commandant of the military. The terms of these leaders are much longer than those on Earth. At its center, Central Corps is mainly inhabited by government officials and military, but the Central Corps is host to many societies, including the affluent and the impoverished. Think of the surrounding Central Corps as a metropolis. The other satellite colonies are used, are used to host life, different types of land masses, societies, and tourist sites, though one of them is specifically a prison pillar. The most heinous of criminals are sent here. Any questions so far? I'm all on board. Are you, are you on starboard? And are you actually paying attention? Okay, you know, is there going to be a quiz? Yeah, all actually right? there is. is, there, is there gonna I'm going to make a quiz. Is there going to be a quiz after I'm going to make a quiz. Well, I'm going to fail it on purpose. Well, you know what? Whatever. After living in harmony in these space colonies, the government decided as a whole that they need to spread out and explore the universe around them and see if there was any other life or knowledge out there. This was called the Age of Radical Space Exploration. Many explorers were sent out, such, such as the famed scientist Sayer Abengada from Episode 3. The scientists found many new worlds and lands around them, some of which were inhabited by sentient life. These aliens come in Wait, all whoa. shapes and sizes... And though some of them are very closely related to humans. Yes, what's up? Jordan, hang on. Is that guy dead? Did he die yeah, on... he died on, on Vespira. Okay, so he died on my on, on Icarus's girlfriend. Got mm, it. Why did I fall for that? Why did I easily fall for that? <sighs> because you know it's a good idea. The government decided that they need, needed to take control of this situation and use their military to either make alliances with these new planets or they would need to conquer the planets before they themselves were conquered. The Pillar Alliance military kind of was harsh. gratefully strengthened and tra trained being on standby for after ambassadors were sent to these planets to develop communications. So basically, they strengthened the military and lie in wait for basically anybody to say, no, I don't want to be in this alliance, so they could easily destroy them before, they, before a threat was posed to them. Gotcha. Continuing to explore the universe, scientists discovered an energy that surrounds the galaxy that they call the light stream. The light stream wraps around every planet, weaving in and out through the entire galaxy. Using this energy with specialized space engines called light drives, the humans discover light speed travel to help them get around each planet. When a spaceship uses its light drive, it enters a light tunnel where it can reach unfathomable speeds. A navigator is needed to keep course in order for the ship to leave the light stream in the proper place. To this day, researchers are still trying to figure out where the light stream came from, but have created lots of technology that utilizes this energy. In the hands of the government, the light stream became dangerous. The government, led by Prime Leader Risa I, used this technology to easily get from planet to planet, and when some of the planets refused to take part in the alliance, the government used the technology to quickly transport their military and start war. Most times, the humans were more advanced, allowing them to quickly wipe out opposing armies. The planets that refused to join the alliance were glassed, meaning the Pillar Alliance wiped them out completely using nuclear force. 
This fear tactic helps stop any resistance from other planets. What's up? And I'm the bleak one over oh, yeah, here. No. You're just over here blowing yeah, up worlds. Yeah, completely, completely glassed and wiped off the face of the universe, I guess you could say. Yeah, so this is actually one of the things that changed from my original comic idea to building this world, but... Anyways, um, the civilians of the Pillar Alliance had this information hidden from them, only ever being allowed to explore the few planets near the space colonies. But those in the military and even some of the scientists saw what hordes the Pillar Alliance were willing to commit for their own peace and decided to break from the Pillar Alliance to stop the government from continuing to wipe out other planets. This rebellion was led by Norman Victory and his best friend and ship pilot, Sean McCormick. The government called these rebels space pirates, telling the people that their crimes were stealing and upgrading government fighter ships in order to obtain technology for their own personal gain. Because of that, Norman Victory began to call himself the Pirate King, the leader of the Ace of Spades pirates. They gained support of a few planets and started what the textbooks now refer to as the Crimson Rebellion. They exposed the government's crimes to the colonies, forcing a true uprising. The powers that be were then pushed out of their positions and a new government was started. This government now has treaties with all planets, allowing them to act as their own entities rather than being controlled by the Pillar Alliance. The Ace of Spades took their spoils of war and returned to a small colony that they built amongst an asteroid field. The pirates being viewed as heroes led the start of people rising up to pee to be just like them. Now that civilians are allowed to explore the universe around them, many new explorers and even pirate crews have sprung up, creating a new age of exploration. Once the Crimson Rebellion and the Great War were finished, the Pillar Alliance again has sent out its own explorers and archaeologists with the goal of working with the other planets in order to find out what secrets the galaxy hides. These archaeologists have unearthed artifacts left behind by ancient beings in this galaxy that they call the First Sons. The worlds of the First Sons are still being discovered, but their technology and artifacts hold great power. The truest mystery is how to use these artifacts. Alas, these artifacts are still being researched, but some now lie in museums in the Central Core colony. Some say the government will do anything to obtain these artifacts, even going as far as killing civilians, but you know, that's just a rumor. Or is it? <laughs> <laughs> Wink, wink. <laughs> because of the... <laughs> I enjoy doing that. Because of the new discoveries, many of the active space pirate crews have risen up to steal these artifacts in hopes of discovering grand treasures or unlimited power. This is the start of the current age in history, the Age of the Space Stalkers. This was called the Space Stalkers because these new pirates stalk space searching for artifacts to steal for grandeur. The Pillar Alliance military, now be being led by Absalon Vasilius, has created a strike force for hunting down these pirates. They also employ bounty hunters who use much more specialized and powerful custom space fighter ships. The pirates and the bounty hunters battle amongst the stars, each creating newer and faster vessels in order to gain the upper hand. Society sees both of these sides as heroes in their own ways, and both groups are very well known. A group of much more sinister pirates has come up recently, being the worst of the worst of criminals. They kill and defile anything that they come across. These pirates are called the Black Pirates. Their captain, Jonas Black, seeks out true power and will stop at nothing to get it. What? Is he one of the Jonas no, Brothers? No, he's not. I imagine him looking like a Jonas um, I Brother. Actually, somewhere in my art book, I have a picture of him that I drew. Yeah, yeah, you have a picture of I one mean, of the I Jonas Brothers. I mean, I can go get that it. and prove to you it's not one of the Jonas Brothers. Look, I don't know who you're trying to convince right now. If you're trying to convince yourself, I'm trying to convince convince you because you always try to ruin my ideas. So, the Black (laughs) Pirate's ship is an enormous vessel known as the Bubonic Death. 
All pirates fear the black pirate. Oh, sorry, all parties fear the black pirates so much so the Pillar Alliance tries not to deal with them in fear of starting an all-out war. This crew, the crew of the black pirates, is huge. Rather, for see now you can tell I'm not actually reading. So rather, most of the pirate crews like you know consists of maybe twenty people at most. Like the ships being like small fighter ships that can zip around and explore the galaxy. But the black pirates ship, there's. Their ship, I mean, I wouldn't say about the same size of, but it will be comparable to the size of a Star Destroyer in this world. So it's a very large ship. Oh, okay. And so the Pillar Alliance, they fear this ship because, like, they know if they start war with the Black Pirates, this could be dangerous. These people, they're ruthless. They will come into a city and completely wipe it out and leave. So so that... It, Pirates are... Beep! <laughs> Anyways, so that's my world... And the story of my comic, it really starts with the sons of the Ace of Spades pirates, um, Captains Schmitty McCormick and Danny Victory. They have started their own crew of pirates, the Sunshine Pirates, quote-unquote, and follow clues of an old, incomplete artifact that will lead them to something great and powerful, unlocking the true mystery of the first sons in, in this universe. So that is my world. That is the world of Starboard. Um, I didn't really put in a story because... This whole thing read like a story, I thought. That's true. It did. So, so it's did. like I didn't want to like overwhelm with storytelling. But so like the I one thing you. that I did with Starboard is that like each different planet has like its own different life, own different things. Um, one of the members of the Sunshine Pirates crew is from a planet called Savan, which um, they are basically super like almost invincible Amazon people. Think of Wonder Woman as a pirate. Um, and then there's... Just like I did, I have, it gets convoluted because, you know, it was such a big idea that I started with, but I had a lot of fun with it. They like, so the pirate crew that I created, they go and they discover an art, like one of their necklaces is actually an artifact from the era of the first sons. And using this necklace, they pull up a map and they discover another artifact, which claims to be the key to all doors and this just kind of opens up the whole entire adventure as they go and basically discover what these doors are and what this key is they have a lot of run-ins with the black pirates they have a lot of run-ins with like the sects of the government that are actually still pretty nefarious and then i got into some more supernatural type things with um basically having the living embodiments of human ideas such as life death war peace and things like that so there is actually a form of death who comes and takes souls to the afterlife and life is um a character called nature who basically promotes life on the other planets will go and basically grow trees and things like that so yeah this idea was something huge that i still want to pursue but it's gonna take a while to get there yeah, I get you. As as it happens, drawing comics takes forever, and it's really that hard. Was, I mean, I'll probably try to find a way to post this online with ourselves, but that was this comic idea that I had. Yeah, I remembered it. And the audience won't know, but I showed picture, uh, Cody one of my drawings. But yeah, so this was, like, honestly, this was a topic that was, like, dear to my heart because I really do like the Space Odyssey kind of idea. As you see in the background, there's Cowboy Bebop poster. I, I had trouble with this one because I've read so many of these types of books lately that I'm like, well, I can definitely come up with something, but it's going to feel very derivative. Yeah. And that's kind of where I shine because this is I, an idea that I came up with like four or five years ago. Well, congratulations. 
I read a bunch of space books. <laughs> That's why I said I'm kind of cheating because this isn't a new idea. This is something I've been thinking about for years. Yeah, I think the only original thing that I came up with was in... I feel like with space stuff, something always becomes sentient. Like either you got robots that are alive or you got planets that are alive or you got aliens. Well, then there's also like the thing... Because I kind of did it. There's a thing that the government always hides. And so like in my... Well, My government was hiding the fact that they destroy things and, you know. I kind of wanted to avoid that with Warden Industries being like yeah. a background thing. You know what I mean? But I I, I avoided it in that well, I just that didn't talk very, about it. Because that was a very Firefly Serenity type thing where the government was hiding the creation of the Reavers was pretty much their fault. Right. Right. Which, oh my gosh. I, want, I, I wanted Firefly to go on. We shouldn't talk about Firefly. It's going to be. I mean, we sad. can talk about Firefly next week because we'll talk about um, space odysseys and the horror genre a little bit. I, I guess not really the horror genre. Yeah. Or I wanted to talk about more of like two ideas of things we talked about in this section of the five worlds that we did. I wanted to talk about not the apex yeah. predator worlds. So things like Alien. I was just going to talk about A Quiet Place a little bit and just a couple other movies and things that I think of, and then. I wanted to hit on some Space Odyssey, so we probably won't talk too long about it, but Star Wars falls in that, Serenity Firefly falls in that, Cowboy Bebop falls in that. Yeah, I mean, there's kind of like a combined notion of like space travel movies yeah. that all share some similarities. Like the um, light speed travel and hyperspace exist in pretty much everything. Right, yeah, I kind of just carefully <laughs> didn't talk about that for my world, because I like tried to think about something, and I was like, I don't freaking know how, spa- how space travel's possible, because space travel's so yeah. impossible. Oh, very much so. But yeah, so... It's, it's just ludicrous how bad of an idea it is to travel in space, mostly because we live on a flat Earth, but, okay. you know... So actually, I wasn't going to bring this up, but... Um, so last week oh, to no. the audience, we, me and Cody, we hung out, went to dinner with um, our respective significant others, and the topic of flat Earth and other conspiracies came up. Um, so we talked about chemtrails as well, and one of the things I did is I listened to a podcast where they make fun of. They're not like actually serious about it, but they make fun of chemtrails, and I really didn't know how deep that whole conspiracy thing went because. Because we talked about oh, just the part where people yeah, think it's, chemicals it's really are nuts. affecting us. But there are the people who think that the chemtrails are to form clouds that will cover up and hide things out in the space sky. Specifically, the planet Nibiru or whatever, where they believe that there's this planet that the government doesn't want us to know about. It's that, insane. That, I actually have not heard that one. I wish that I had. But the thing is, I listened to, like, through this podcast, they played a couple of um, clips from people talking about this seriously talking about this and it's infuriating how smug and right quote-unquote these people sound so oh as you can see up there they're just spraying all these chemtrails and if you look you could closely see the outline of nibiru it's like shut up you're an idiot it's water vapor water vapor yeah there's a lot of that where there's like 10 minute videos of people going outside with their camera being you know, look, the sky's blue. And then they're like, now you can see the chemtrails. Look, it's become all milky white and cloudy now because you can see the chemtrails raining down. And they're just pointing, they're pointing their, their camera, camera at, at the clouds. sky. They're looking at clouds, Cody. And then they go, yeah, by the way, I've adjusted the saturation so you can see it better. And I went, oh, so you mean you cheated? 
Like, you just used video editing to make it seem like the chemtrails existed. But yeah, so just, it's it's a crazy thing. And oh, I can't believe, like, I actually, like, followed down the line of that a little bit. It's a it's a deep rabbit hole to fall down for conspiracy theories. There is so much stuff. Well, and then the thing is, with the flat earther idea, it's just, with all the proof that the world is round, these idiots have found quote-unquote proof that the world is flat and it drives me insane well i find the the reasoning behind it fascinating because it it points to being so disenfranchised from like rhetoric around how people talk about science that it's basically magic to these people you know what i mean you know, you think about in medieval times the notion of like a wizard up in a tower that no one can understand and is mysterious. That's basically what science is for woefully uneducated people. But there are you know some what I mean? that there think are about some if you get a high school education, educated who follow these ideas, and that's what drives me crazy. Yeah, and that's different. But I mean, you think if you get a high school education and then someone tries to explain anything to you, it's it's completely it's completely unreachable for most people. You know, and so to me, it's it's sad but understandable how people can be so separated yeah, from I, reality because yeah, they're never exposed and to I it. I understand it, but it doesn't mean it's any less inferior, especially because there are some celebrities that deeply believe in flat Earth. It is like, why? Well, yeah, I mean, no, no one ever said no, a celebrity was famous, smart. Yeah, they're just famous. Right. Um, okay, so. Well, and that's like a thing that it totally gets brought up all the time. Like, all these celebrities are coming out and talking about Flat Earth. And I'm like, well, frick, who cares? Why would I care what a celebrity thinks? Part of me just wishes that Trump will come out as a Flat Earther, just so we have another reason to hate him. Okay, so that was our brief post-conversation. We're going to roll for the world that we'll do in two weeks. And so next week, so next week we're going to do another world deconstruction. I'm guessing because we talk too much, it's going to end up being a two-parter again, but we'll see. <laughs> yeah, right, what's our Jordan, world? You want to know what our world is? What? Oh, for the love of God! <sighs> 20? What? No. A board game world! A board oh, game crap. world, Jordan! It's a board game world you came up with this when you puke yeah you know the thing is i'm pretty sure i actually i'm really glad we did this on a two-week break so i actually have time to come up with this world because to me i just threw that all because i thought it would be fun and cute but this we need to set some ground rules okay what are the ground rules bud okay this has to be based on a board game you well can't can I make a board game? No, 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 no. That's just making a world that's not based on a board game at that point. Oh, see, because my idea was the, the idea that I had as soon as you said a board game world was to turn this into a horror show. No. Where the characters realize they're in a board game and they're being played and then you die and you re- relive. Okay, and I really that- want to do that. But guess what? I get to do that with Clue. No, you can't... Okay, you just ruined it twice for me, because one, your idea is better than mine. Like, the notion of being stuck in a board game, actually kind of cool. Two, when I said that we had to pick a board game, I was going to pick Clue, so you cannot have Okay, Clue. well, I can, pl- I can pick a different world, then. I have another horror show idea. Uh, um, no, but I think that your idea actually makes sense, though. That, don't, that's sensible. Don't you dare steal my idea, by the way. 
Because I have recorded evidence and said I came up with it first. That doesn't mean that you came up with it first. That's not a It obviously right. does because I said it. And you're like, oh, wait, that's a good idea. That's obviously exactly what happened. I'm going to delete my audio. You don't know nothing. Oh, shut up. Okay, so a board game world is in two weeks. I think it's going to be fun. It's, it's gonna be It's going to be harder. I say ground rules, you can do what you want. I can make up a board game or... I can I don't come with want, an existing world game. I actually have an existing board game that I want to do that's not Clue. I don't want your hippy-dippy, no-rules approach to this okay. world, right? We do, need strict okay, rules. Okay, fine. Then we'll... Here. Then we will do a board game that already exists. No, it's fine. I'm kidding. You can do whatever you want. No, we're going to do we're gonna do Cody rules because I don't want to lose you, man. You don't want to lose me? What yeah, am I going to do? Get mad, I don't feel like you're going to get mad and walk off this show one day because I'm so rude to you. <laughs> Jordan, I think I've been ruder to you than you have been to me. Probably, but I take it a lot better than you do. What? No, you don't. You're very <laughs> sensitive. <laughs> I'm sorry, because when you said, oh, no, oh, no, I thought you were going to say create your own anime world, and I was about to just jump up with joy. I don't know what to do with create your own anime world. I don't know what's distinct about it. It's hey, just going to be dude, very emotional. By the way, if you don't like the ideas, come up with your own ideas. I came up with the whole first list, Jordan. The yeah, whole and first this is list this is the second reign. This is the reign of Jordan. Welcome, my children, to Jordan time. Well, I had I had everything as dragons, and you came up with board game world. So what's better, dragons or board games? We'll see what in two weeks. Next week is world deconstruction, focusing on not the apex predator and space odysseys, and the week after will be our board game world. Jordan is very excited. I'm actually pretty excited about it. I'm, I, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm already getting ideas about it. Right? I'm excited. Though I'm kind of scared that my idea is just going to be another just telling a story like I did today. <laughs> I mean, that's okay, though. Like, there's nothing wrong with yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, the format of the show is going to change. But okay, so we have done 10 worlds. I'm excited for doing 10 more. Next week's going to be fun. Um, you can check Cody out on the Wandering Gamer Network podcast. It's amazing. I'm running Crystal Heart. Zach runs Dungeons and Dragons. We it's it's actual play or no, actual play. Yeah, it's actual yeah, play. it's an actual play podcast. Um, I'm still working on my projects, and eventually we'll actually get to do my Twitch stream. And I have an idea about that soon, but we'll talk about that off air. It's been fun, guys. Thank you for listening to this just long journey of ten, uh, twelve episodes. And please continue to listen to us. We put a lot of work into this. We'll see you all next week. Bye. Bye.